0: Morning church, hope you are doing good. If you're wondering, um, my first shirt drowned this morning in the first service, so I had to find a t-shirt to put on. Um, Hadn't preached in a couple of weeks, got a little excited, so sweat right through that thing. So um, anyway, uh, glad to be back, missed missed a couple of weeks, but glad to be back here and um, just ready to share all that God's put in my heart today. Um, And excited about where we're going. Um, as a church, and uh, I want to talk a little bit more about that today. Um, Over, uh, well, last Sunday, Jordan introduced this topic of traction. If you were here, you heard him talk about traction, defined a little bit of what spiritual traction looks like. If you think about what traction is, it's... What allows something to move. And so um, if I'm walking on this stage and my foot hits the the plywood and uh, what propels me forward as I move is my my foot uh, grabs traction onto this plywood so I'm able to move forward. And I believe that's what God is really doing uh, with our church right now. Um, I want to show a couple of slides just to review what Jordan talked about last week and to kind of set this up again but you've seen this first slide several times this uh, where we talked about the foundation cracks right um, that oftentimes exist in the church and um, I was thinking about these and, and you know I remember when I was a teenager and um, my mother or, or you know or father would say something that I didn't like or whatever and I'd kind of roll my eyes, and then my my mom would be like, don't you roll your eyes at me. You know, Anybody else ever have that happen? Um, And so um, I feel like when we put this on the screen now, you guys have seen it so much that that's kind of, you know, like roll your eyes. I'm like, don't you roll your eyes at me. But anyway, this this is something we've looked at a bunch, especially uh, the last six or eight months. And we've talked about this, that there's no crack in Jesus as the foundation, but sometimes there are voids in our understanding of what Jesus has called us to. And so we've looked at what it really means, this clear call to follow Jesus and what that means. We've looked at this clear call to fullness in Jesus And growing into our identity in Christ, we've looked at um, this clear call to Jesus' people, the church, and we've looked at this clear call to Jesus' mission, our purpose on earth. And so we've talked through those things and and we kind of wrapped that up right at the end of the year. Um, and as we've gone into uh, this new year, I don't believe God works on a calendar per se. Um, and, and, you know, everybody kind of gets a word for the year. I, I don't think God necessarily works from January 1 to December 31st, but I do believe God works in seasons and we see different seasons and the word I keep Feeling in my heart for us in this season is this word traction. And, and we've been really grinding for a while, for really a year and a half or better, um, laying a foundation that we can work off of. And I feel like now what God is really beginning to do is beginning to stir movement that the Holy Spirit's beginning to work and beginning to move. And and so much of the foundation that we've laid, this groundwork that we've laid, believe God is going to start building. And we as a church are going to begin moving um, into some of the things God has been preparing us for as we've looked at the reality that God calls us to get out of that pastoral system, the dependency model, that we're all called to be priests, right? Um, Ministers of the gospel. As we look at really... Um, understanding that we each have access to him, that we're called um, to walk alongside one another doing ministry together. Uh, This next graphic that um, they showed, this one, um, he taught some about these growth areas. Now that the foundation is laid, if we look at this, really, these are four growth areas that every Christian, we need to grow in these things. We need to grow in knowing God and what it means to really follow Him and and being able to have this privilege of knowing Him, not just knowing about Him. We need to grow into the fullness of Christ, not just understanding He calls us to fullness, but growing into who we are in Jesus. We need to grow as the body of Christ, corporately, into who He's called us to be in each part of us we need to be a member of that body doing our work and then ultimately we grow the kingdom of God as, as we grow up in all these things the kingdom of God begins to grow And we talked about how we gain spiritual traction, is that we grow in these areas. And I want to talk more about that today. Um, What does it look like and why is traction important in the church today? And then we're going to talk just a little bit about how we grow in knowing God. Why that's important, that we know who He is. And so we're going to look at that today. If if you will, if you have a Bible, you can turn to Joshua chapter 1. If you don't have one, it it should be on the screen. But Joshua chapter 1, it's towards the front of your Bible. If you start flipping, you see Deuteronomy, you're almost there. Just keep flipping. you get to Joshua chapter 1, which which is where we're going to begin. I'm going to read the first 11 verses, and then we'll read some of Joshua chapter 3. So Joshua... Is, is a leader for Israel, for the nation of Israel, as you're about to see Moses uh, preceded him, now the torch is being passed to Joshua. It says this in Joshua 1, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses his aide, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Go through the camp and tell the people, get your provisions ready. Three days from now, you will cross through Jordan here to go in and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you for your own. Now let's go to chapter three, and this is actually going to speak to when they actually cross the, the Jordan River. It says, early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and they went to the Jordan where they camped before crossing over. After three days... The officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant, it's important, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priest carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go, since you have never been this way before. But keep a distance of about 2,000 cubits between you and the Ark. Do not go near it. Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things. Among you, get ready. In other words, set yourselves apart, purify your hearts. Joshua said to the priest, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up and went ahead of them. And the Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel so they may know that I'm with you as I was with Moses. Tell the priest who carried the Ark of the Covenant when you reach the waters, the edge of the Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. Joshua said to the Israelites, Come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. This is how you will know that the living God is among you. So he's saying, look, this is how you're going to know that he is with you as we go to take this land. He says, is among you, and that he will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, Hittites, Hivites, Perizzites, Girgashites, Amorites, and Jebusites. Amen. See the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth will go into the Jordan ahead of you. Now then, choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel, each one from each tribe. And as soon as the priest who carried the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. So when the people broke camp across the Jordan, the priest carrying the ark of the covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is at flood stage. So this is not like a little stream. This thing is a flowing, raging river all during harvest. Yet as soon as the priest who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarethan. While the water flowed down to the Sea of Arabah. that is, the Dead Sea was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. The priest who carried the ark of the covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of Jordan and stood on dry ground while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing. On dry ground. In the past, I've preached out of these passages several times in eleven years, but I felt like the Lord started speaking this to me again, something else out of this a couple of weeks ago. So I want to share that with you today. Before we do, I want to pray for us. God, I thank you for your word and its truth, God. I thank you for the truth of the songs we sang today, that you are good, Lord. That that Nothing's able to stop you, God. All of those songs speaking to who you are and your goodness and your faithfulness and the power of who you are, God, I am thankful that that is who you are and that you are unchanging, God. Father, I pray this morning, Lord, God, that you would be glorified in your word, that we would be encouraged and challenged, Lord, to take steps of faith, to be strong and courageous as the body of Christ, to take and occupy and transform ground for you, Lord. We love you, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I don't know, how many of you, um, when you read your Bible, sometimes if you feel like the Lord really speaks something to your heart, you'll kind of maybe underline it, and you might put a date beside it, or somebody preaches out of a, a, a message out of, uh, the Bible that you hear and you put a date kind of b- beside it if the Lord speaks. Anybody else do that? Anybody? Yeah, some people probably do that to kind of kind of m- remember when that happened. I don't put a lot of dates in my Bible, but um, I do have one in this section. It actually comes out of uh, Joshua 1 chapter 2. And, and I want to kind of tell you where that came from. I was preaching out of These passages, it's been a while back. I don't think it's quite been a year ago, but probably coming up close to a year. And and I remember thinking about um, this first statement. It's kind of an abrupt statement as God begins to speak to Joshua, but he just says, Moses, my servant is dead. And I don't know how many of you remember, probably none. That We talked about this passage, and I talked about how this transition was happening, and it seems abrupt that Moses, my servant, is dead, Joshua, but, it, but it's a big deal because what he's saying is, listen, we're passing, we're going into another season. We're passing into another season. All of the people who were disobedient and, and, and not going into the promised land, the first time I called you to go into it, they and Moses are dead. They passed away in the desert. Now we're entering into another season, Joshua, and you're about to go into the promised land. I wrote in my Bible when I got to this, um, it says, Now then, you and all these people, Get ready. Get ready. To cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them. And, and I underlined that and, and I drew a line to it and I wrote underneath it I said, I feel like this is what God has spoken to me about where we are right now as a church. And I put a date beside it. I'd never hardly do this, but I put 8 17 18, August the 17th of 2018, and this is when God was beginning to stir my heart. Now, many of you have been around for a little while. We've been talking about transitioning. We've been kind of talking about this foundation. We've been talking about laying this groundwork. We've been grinding. We've been trying to get this thing in place. We've been working hard, and when I read that, I believe that's what God was saying. Get ready for what I'm going to do next. And we've been talking forever and ever about each one of you are a part of a priesthood of all believers. You're called to be a minister just as much as I am. Your part in the body may look different, but you all have a part. We're not going to live in this uh, pastorally de- dependent system where we look to a few to do everything. We're going to be a people who all share in the joy of doing the ministry and what we were created to do. We've talked about that. I believe God's been preparing us for what's to come. And I believe this because the things that God has put in our hearts to do in the near future is going to take a community. It can't be done by a handful of paid people. We're all going to need to be stepping into what God's called us to. I believe he was saying, "Get ready." And now we've spent a year and a half, two years to get ready. And that's why I believe that this word traction kept coming to mind because we've been building, we've been building this foundation. I believe God wants to begin to build on it. And he's calling us now to begin to take steps of faith with what he's equipped us with to begin to take ground for him. I would say God's done a lot in the last 11 years. It's thinking about people who've been saved and baptized, who've grown and who've been sent out to different places to plant churches, um, whether it's in the states or overseas or wherever it might be. But I believe this. I I really believe this with all my heart, that, that this is all about laying a foundation so that a greater work can be done. It's not about just filling seats. It's about changing the world. tells us this and, and I want you to understand some things about traction, about spiritual traction. Traction happens, spiritual traction happens, the Spirit of God moves in us so that traction happens so that Ground is taken. When I say ground, I mean communities are taken. I mean states and countries are changed and transformed so that ultimately what God desires, that all the earth would sing the praises of his glory, it begins to happen. And that may seem like a big dream. Maybe you're like, well, that ain't going to happen. Well, it ain't going to happen if we think like that. But if we really believe the words of the songs we sang this morning, then in our heart we know it can happen. And and traction happens for that. So we're not just called to have this traction to take these steps so that we take this community. I mean, listen, isn't that what a lot of what happens in religion and why many people hate religion is that it's seen as the cause of all wars? Listen, we're not called to go shoot people up and take their house. We're called to take the love of Jesus into the community so that they encounter the God of the universe so he puts his spirit into them so that their lives are transformed and this one's life is transformed and this one's life is transformed and we see the kingdom of, of heaven come to earth, and pretty soon the whole place is transformed. So it's called to take ground. It's called to occupy that ground, and it's called, we're called to transform that ground. It's what God calls us to. Why did God, listen to verse 3. It, it, God tells Joshua in 1.3, he says, I will give you every place where you set your foot, I'll give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. He says, Joshua, I'm going to give you every place that the sole of your foot treads. I'm going to give it to you. That that, that literally is kind of traction, right? Wherever you step, I'm going to give you that place. Wherever you step, Joshua going to give you that place. And he promises him this this spiritual traction, this movement. But he was called to have traction, not so they could just go into the promised land. He's called to have traction so they can go into the promised land. They can take that land. They can occupy it and they can transform it. I think God was more worried about their worship of him in the land than he was just them taking the land. It was to be a place that's transformed. It looks different. They live different. That's what we're called to as well as the church. I was thinking about this this week, and it's interesting because Joshua, the word Joshua is a Hebrew word that means Jehovah is salvation. Jehovah is salvation. And so God literally here is speaking to Joshua. Jehovah is salvation. I started thinking about that word because it's interesting that in Greek, the word that means Jehovah is salvation is Jesus. So you've got two different languages, but words that mean the same thing. So on one side of it, you've got the Hebrew word Joshua. That means Jehovah God is salvation. On the other side over here, you've got this Greek word Jesus, which means Jehovah is salvation. Now what's interesting about this is that God is telling Jehovah is salvation, take these people into the promised land. God sends Jesus, Jehovah is salvation, to take us into the promise that God is making throughout all of the Old Testament. It's also interesting to think about this. God promises Joshua, Jehovah is salvation, that wherever the sole of your foot treads, I'm going to give you this land. Now think about this. Jesus comes into the world as Jehovah is salvation. He comes in and God sends him. Jesus comes to earth so that he can take back from the kingdom of darkness what belongs to the kingdom of light so that he can rob um the, 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 the Satan and all that he's taken away, he can take it back and give it back to God's people in a way that it would glorify him. And so Jehovah's salvation, on one hand, he's going in and he's giving him every place that the sole of his foot treads, but then Jesus, Jehovah's salvation comes here and wherever he goes, he's gonna take this land back. He's gonna take it back from the God of this age, the, the, the king of this age, Satan himself, and give it back to God's people. Now think about this. How cool is it to think now when we think about the church, the people of God, how else is it referred to in scripture? What would be another name? It's kind of an obscure question, but what, what would be another name for the church, the people of God, the body of what? The body of Christ. Do you realize who we're connected to? Connected to Jesus that by faith, by the Spirit of God, we have been made one with Jesus. This is what the Bible teaches us. We've been made one with Jesus. We've been made one with Jehovah is salvation. We've been made one as the body of Christ. And the Bible tells us that Jesus, once he died and he was buried and he was resurrected, he ascended to the heavens. And it says that God put everything under his feet, all powers and principalities of this dark age have been put under his feet, so what does that tell us as the body of Christ, if we are connected and one with Jehovah is salvation, with Jesus, and He says He's put it all under His feet? What does that tell us about the authority that God has given us as the church? That wherever the sole of our foot treads, as the body of Christ, He even tells the sith in Matthew twenty-eight eighteen. He says, "All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go." Why? Because I have overcome darkness. I have overcome the enemy. I'm giving you back your ability. I'm giving you back your authority. Now begin to step in faith. Walk in faith. So that my kingdom can come on earth as it is in heaven. See, the design of it all, guys, it's not just to show up on Sunday. We come in here, y'all be Celebrating. What God's doing the design of it all is not that we would gather in here um, and this be the end this is one of the means to the end of going out there and renewing the earth so we need to see this understand this that all authority so listen as followers of Jesus, as his church, as his people, as this new community of people, as as the body of Christ. We're called to be people led by the Spirit, taking steps of faith. How do I get traction here and move across the stage? I'm taking steps. I'm working muscles so that when my foot hits I'm pulling forward, and the traction is moving me forward. How do we gain spiritual momentum? How do we move and take ground as the body of Christ? We begin to take steps of faith. We begin to move as the Spirit is working in us, and we begin to take ground as Jehovah is salvation, the body of Christ that now has has had all authority and power and principalities put under his feet. We begin to step confidently. Today, right now, I'm walking on stage. I'm walking on a piece of plywood. What do we walk on spiritually? We walk on God's promises. Ever heard of standing on the promises of God? You heard that. We, we walk. We walk on his promises. We walk on his promises. God promised that where we go, he's going to give it to us. He promised he gave us authority. I'm going to walk confidently and courageously and boldly because he's given us authority. God's promised us, not just Joshua, where he promises him that he's going to be with him, just like he was with Moses, that he's going to go with him wherever he goes. But remember, Jesus made the same promise to us in Matthew 28, and, and I will be with you even to the ends of the age. He's promised never leave us orphans. I can walk in the promises of God that even if I'm, as I'm going into this uncertain, even as I'm trying to take this boldly, even as I'm trying to share my faith and I really don't know what I'm doing, I'm gonna keep walking. I'm gonna keep stepping in faith until spiritual momentum is created and I'm gonna step on the promises of God. And here's the good thing about the promises of God. They're not just um, promises that would be made by you or me because we've all had people break promises in our life. These promises, listen, they're un- undergirded just like this stage this layer i'm walking on is plywood but underneath it there's these metal studs and all these other things this plywood is attached to the promises of god aren't just like you or me making a promise the promises of god are undergirded they're strengthened they're sure because they're upheld by the character and nature of god any of this making sense so so I want you to see this guys listen we have to realize we have to realize what god has called us to he has not called us just to come in and play church. That's not what it's all about. My job is not to make you feel better, to get you through another week. My God is, the. my job is to point you to the God who can be your provision and your strength. And you can have this relationship with him. It's not just about coming in for a band-aid. It's about growing into knowing. It's about growing into fullness. It's about growing together as the body. And It's about going out there and taking back what belongs to God. So we're called to step in faith on the promises of God, guys. Stepping in faith, knowing that it's supported, that they're, they're supported, they're girded, they're strengthened by the one who promised. And I want you to see this. We, we can't walk in faith. We can't walk in faith. Can y'all put that, that second slide up one more time? I know I'm catching you off guard. The second slide. We can't walk in faith. Not that one. Well, yeah, that is it. My bad, my bad. We can't walk in faith if we don't grow in knowing God. If we don't know the God who's, who's promising, how are we going to walk in the promises? We can't take steps of faith and, and, and take new ground if we don't know who we are in Christ. Let me tell you, you can't do ministry and be rejected if you don't know who you are in Jesus. Jesus. If you don't know that even if they reject me, it doesn't change who I am, it's going to be a hard road. I know from experience. If our validity and our worth and our values tied up into us being accepted, then it's going to be a long life, like hard, and ministry is going to be next to impossible. Because the fear of man will control you, not the Spirit of God. If we don't grow into who we are as the body of Christ, it'll never happen. That's why the church in America is, is, is almost non existent. It's almost unaffected. We, we don't it affect the world around us, the world affects us. Because we're not growing into it. We're not, you know, we, we've gotten this thing so backwards. we don't realize our purpose that it's to grow the kingdom it's not just to live a comfortable life we're never going to see it i don't think we're waiting on god to move as much as he's waiting on us to move i think where we are as a church guys we're called being called right now to take these steps of faith how many of you we're here or remember, I pray to God, somebody what raises your hand. How many of you remember, uh, it's been months ago that we started a service or the message, we started it by um, showing that video clip from the Karate Kid and Mr. Miyagi, anybody remember that? Yeah, remember that? And we talked about how a lot of what we're, we were going through and a lot of things we were talking about, it might not all paint a big picture, all at one time, and you remember in that movie how Mr. Miyagi had Daniel's son, and Daniel's son was getting bullied and all this stuff, and he wanted to learn how to fight, so Mr. Miyagi brings him to his house, and, and he's like, um, daniel son." And he's like, "Yeah, Mr. Miyagi, he's like, "Wash a car." right?" And he's like, N-n-n-n-n-n. he's like, he's ta He's like, "What's on? What's on. What's on? on." He's like, so he washes this whole line of cars. And then he gets him and I don't know the order of it all, but he gets him and he's like, Daniel son sand the floor. So he's like, no, no, he's like, sand, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like that, right, right? And then he goes and he's got this long fence. He's like, Daniel son, paint a fence. He's like, he's like, ah, and he's like, makes him do it right. So he paints this long fence. And then finally, daniel Son, he starts thinking, like, I'm just getting used. There's no point in this. There's no reason for me to keep doing this. And he's like, Mr. Miyagi, basically, like, you're just using me. And Mr. Miyagi, he's like, "Danielson, right here. And Danielson comes, and he stands there, and he's like, show me Santa floor." And he's like, Di-di-di. y'all remember that? And he's like, whoa, 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 blocking him. And then he's like, show me paint a fence. He's like, Di-di-di. and he's like, blocking him like that. I don't understand why he had to go like, dark, 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 but whatever. But you remember that, right? And all of a sudden, it was like all of these things that were being talked about and all these things that he was doing that seemed like wasted things, that they started becoming useful. I feel like that's where we are as a church, guys. We've been going through this stuff, and I know because I've heard it from some of you. Like, I'm tired of looking at those diagrams on the, on the screen. Can we move on from the broken system and this dependency model? Can we get away from the foundation cracks? Well, guys, listen, now it's time to start taking what we've been equipped with and it's time to start going and moving. I hope that in the next few weeks, you'll start seeing this and it'll all become more clear and you'll go, wow, he's not as crazy as we thought he was. And we get to this place where we realize like God has been equipping us the whole time For a purpose and a reason. I want us to spend just a few minutes. We don't have long looking at this growth area. One, we've got to grow in knowing God because knowing God, we know the one who gives us these promises that the Bible is full of. And we begin to walk those out. I want us to really see this and be able um, to understand this. And you've heard me say this a lot if if you've been around, but we can trust God because we know three things about God. One is that He is good. One is that he is sovereign. One is Another one is that he is faithful. So those three things, good, sovereign, and faithful, because I know that God is those three things, even when there are things that happen that I don't know, I'm able to trust him. I know he's good. I know he's sovereign. I know he's faithful. In other words, I know he's willing and able to do the good that he promises to do. So I know I'm standing on good ground when I'm standing on the promises of God. And we see this in these scriptures. Look, he tells him, he says, I'll give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. Then he goes on in verse five. He says, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. We see these promises that he's making to Joshua. I want you to see in this that the reason that, that no one will be able to stand against Joshua is not because he's 10 foot tall and bulletproof. They're not going to be able to stand against Joshua because God is with him. Because he is powerful and able and sovereign in doing everything he's promised. Joshua, more than anybody, had seen the faithfulness of God in the life of Moses. He'd seen the clothes not wear out. He'd seen God speak to Moses as a, you know, a man speaks to a friend. He saw all of these things and the faithfulness of God that he's shown to me. He knows he's faithful. And you can say, well, where do you see that he's good in this? Well... One thing is that he's about to give them some ground. He's about to give them some land, right? That's a good thing. But it's way better than that, guys. Listen, he's promising to give them himself. He's promising to give them himself. I will be with you. And yet, we know this about the Israelites. Because we see it with Moses. Whenever God would show up on the mountain and they would see it and it's like thundering and lightning and fire and billows of smoke, and they're like, Moses, you go talk to him. We don't want to talk to him. You go, Moses. And so they were scared to death. They realized, like, we don't need to be in the presence of a holy God. They recognized it. They understood, like, we're not like him. He is holy. He is other. He is different. We don't need to be around him in his presence because. That's scary. So it even gets better if you really look at this and understand it. Joshua chapter 3, God promises he'll be with them. But then he's given them something to remind them of the covenant that he's made. See, in Exodus chapter 19, God makes a covenant with Moses. He says, if you obey my laws and my commands and the decrees I give you, he says, I'm going to be your God, you'll be my people, and to me you'll be a special priesthood. And he gives them the law. In chapter 20, he gives them the Ten Commandments. He's like, obey all these things I'm giving you, and I'll be your God, you'll be my people, but it's conditional upon their obedience. And so as they're going, he's going with them, but he's like, listen, what I'm able to do in you and through you is contingent upon you fulfilling these things, you doing these things. He tells Joshua several times, don't let the word of the law leave your mouth. Meditate on it day and night. Listen, you need to hold on to these things so that things will go well with you, so that things will go good with you. And one of the things he does is he gives them the Ark of the Covenant. And, and, and I brought with me today um, the Ark of the Covenant Jordan said it's the Arctic of the Covenant. I would never make a joke that corny. But, but let's just pretend this is the Ark of the Covenant, okay? Um, and so, I didn't have anything better. But, but if this is the Ark of the Covenant, God gave them the Ark of the Covenant. It's called the Ark of the Covenant because it was a reminder of the covenant he made. Now, one of the things that they put into the Ark of the Covenant were the two tablets of the law, Okay? It's more of a millennial example, I admit that. But, but let's just pretend it didn't have anything better, so this is what I got. Um, so we've got these two tablets, and they put these two tablets into the Ark of the Covenant, and it was a reminder that if you will follow and obey the laws that are on these tablets, then you'll be my special people. I'll be your God, and you'll be a priesthood to me, a holy priesthood. All you got to do is follow these 10 things. The problem is, what? They couldn't do it. And the truth is, neither can you and I. And have you ever tried to do something over and over and over again, even though you couldn't do it and you just finally get frustrated? When I was a teenager, I used to try to dunk a basketball. If I didn't have a trampoline, not going to make it. I could jump and jump and jump. Wasn't going to happen. But... That's kind of how this would be for them and for many of us. We just try to be good enough hoping that one day I've worked hard enough and God will accept me. But can you imagine what it was like? And, and, and this Ark of the Covenant would go into the Holy of Holies, either in the tabernacle or the temple. And once a year, this priest would come in, and he'd come into the Holy of Holies. But they knew these were here. They knew what it was about. They knew the covenant. If we don't obey these things, and can you imagine every time they thought about the law and they thought about yesterday or they thought about how they got mad at their kid or they thought about how you know they yelled at their husband or they thought about how they got bitter with their boss or they thought about how they cheated just a little bit on their taxes or they thought about this or they thought about that and they thought about all these things that they did wrong, does it bring joy or does it bring condemnation and a burden? Condemnation and a burden. The Bible even tells us that the law was not given to save us, it can't. It was given so that we would be aware of our sin. And so how is God good? And I mean, we're talking about knowing that God is good, but but see, this isn't all that there was to the, Ark of the Covenant, there was more. Inside it were the tablets that remind us of our sin. They they can't make us right. And I think the Israelites really missed a lot of this. But see, when you closed the Ark of the Covenant, on top of it was this place that they called the, 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 the mercy seat. This is in the Holy of Holies. On top of it was the mercy seat. I told you that one day out of the year, one priest would go into the Holy of Holies and he would come in and this ark is there and he would walk in with the blood of a lamb that had been slain and he would put the blood on a piece of hyssop and he would come in and he would shake it onto the mercy seat that covered the law. Do y'all think that might be pointing us to something else that's gonna happen later? That one day, listen, one day, God in Christ would come to earth to be the final sacrifice, to shed his blood so that the mercy seat can truly be enacted in our lives. So much so that he covered our sin, not just covering it, but the Bible says taking it away so much so that even in my broken state, I'm able to come boldly before the throne of grace and into God's presence. It's so amazing when you think about it that they would go in year after year sprinkling this blood, sprinkling this blood. And let me tell you how it worked. It was kind of like a credit card. How many of you got credit cards? Bunch of sinners. I'm kidding. I got one too. This is kind of how it worked. Like, they did all these sacrifices and all this stuff, but it still had to be paid for one day. It was like a credit card. You know, you go to the store and it's fun, isn't it? You're like, chuging, 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 chuging. got you some new clothes, got you this, got you that. And then you get the bill because the credit card's great. If you didn't have to pay it back, it's awesome. But when you got it and you're, you know, like everything I charge, I'm going to have to pay this thing back. I've got to pay it off sometime. Well, that's how it worked with God. All of this sin and all of this stuff, it bought time. But there was going to be a time when it came due and Jesus paid the price for even their sin. Because God knew they can't make themselves right by following the law. It's why John the Baptist, he's baptizing one day. That's why they called him John the Baptist. He looks up and he sees Jesus coming, and he says, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. What the blood of bulls and goats can never do, he says that's what he's come to do. He's come to be the final sacrifice and the final blood that makes this mercy cover our sin completely so that we can be in relationship with God. That's one of the reasons it was so significant that they carried this little box around with them wherever they went. They're just walking with this box on their shoulders. It wasn't just, to remind them of their sin. It was to to remind them of the one who would take their sin and point us forward to see it. But here's the problem. Too many Christians, you stand around and you never close the box. You just get there and we look and we just remember how bad we are. We just remember how, how bad, you know, we don't live up to this, I don't live up to that, I just messed up. And we never close the lid and think about Christ. Because if I can feel the weight of this, then I'm going to worship him because of this. That's why if we, we, we've got to, to see the whole picture. Who, I, who God is, who I am apart from Christ, what he's done. And, who I've become, and now I'm motivated to go and do the purpose he's created for me. I'm motivated to worship him. We need to understand that. We've got to be worshiping. We need to be in the word. We need to be praying, and worship's not just a thing we do on Sunday morning. Friday evening, I'm riding home. I've been up here. I've been out of town, so I stayed late. I'm riding home. I'm just anticipating what God's doing and how he's working in my own heart. I've got some worship music playing. I think I was listening to Waymaker, and I'm just singing at the top of my lungs. even tears running down my face I was just driving with my knee no I really wasn't doing that but I'm just driving singing and I'm like if anybody sees me it's gonna be bad but they probably not because I looked down I was going 75 miles an hour down 301 just worshiping but it's even more than song it's, it's just my life given to him a living sacrifice because of all he's done because of who he is and if I can grab hold of this and, and understand the sacrifice and what it did that he has now been exalted all things have been put under his feet if I can grab a hold of that and understand that I am one with him I can come to him I don't have to live in my sin but I can let that go and now that, that I'm one with him and we are one with him and our hearts get stirred not just for God but for each other and we come together as one and we begin to step as the body of Christ knowing that every power and principality of this dark age has been put under the feet of Jesus, then we know, and we can be confident of this, that when we step, it might not be easy. It's why we have to be strong and courageous. But we know this, that God eventually, he's going to give us that ground because we're not going to grow weary. We're going to keep on sowing. And we know that in due season, we'll reap a harvest if we just keep stepping and we just keep sowing. And y'all heard me say this a long time ago, we just got to keep swinging. Keep stepping, keep swinging, keep going. Keep moving. And listen, the season has come that we get traction, that we begin to move, that we begin to step. I told you a while back, it's time to burn some plows. It's time to not be able to look back and go back to this because we're tired of maintenance mode. Let's go take some ground for the kingdom. Let's not worry about what everybody else thinks around us. Let's just begin to worship him with reckless abandon. Let's begin to pray like we really believe the prayers matter. Let's begin to pray scripture. Let's begin to Swing the sword of the Spirit mightily and hard, knowing that it has all authority in heaven and on earth and that it's been given to us to do battle and to wage war. And if this isn't stirring something in your spirit, I know it's stirring something in mine, and you might need to wake up because God's doing something. I'm going to tell you this, guys. I'm just going to tell you straight up. Maintenance mode ain't going to get it. It ain't going to get it. If you don't start stepping, you're going to get left behind. All right? But I want you to come along because we're going to see. We sang a song, Signs and Wonders. We're going to see signs. We're going to see one. I ain't talking about kookiness. I ain't talking about spiritual spooky. I'm talking about the power of God. Either this book is true or it ain't. And I believe it's true. And we're going to stand on the promises that are in it. I'm tired. Man. Y'all, I don't know. I, I know when we started. I know I'm out of time, but I don't, I don't know. you got to be used to it by now. You can do that coming in. I don't know how to explain it. I didn't tell nine this. I don't know how to explain it, y'all, but I know there's something right here that tells me that God wants to use you in a mighty way. It's not to be religion as usual. It's to be vessels of his supernatural activity in this community and beyond. This is what God's called us to, guys. There's no doubt in my heart, when we first started the church, I felt it. I felt it, and I knew there was something happening. And I knew there was something going on, but I didn't know what it was. And God did so many incredible things. So much of it I couldn't enjoy, honestly, because I hadn't grown into the fullness of Christ. And then as we started kind of this transition... I started feeling like, God, are you done? Are you finished? As I race over? I mean, what what are you doing, God? But I know guys, I know that all of that was for a purpose. And that God is preparing us for something greater. I know like I knew then. I know it now and even sometimes in my own mind I'm like, God, I don't see it. I don't see it, God. I don't see how it's going to happen, Lord. But I just know some of you, listen, you used to be in the game You used to be in the game. You need to get back in. You need to start stepping. You need to start taking steps of faith. Some of you are too gifted. All of you are too gifted to sit on the sidelines. You need to find your place. You need to seek the Lord and let him speak to your heart. Because you're called to be a part of the body a supernatural vessel that's not meant to just gather on Sunday so that the world just continues to go on the way it is. But we're called to be a body that takes ground for the kingdom. Father, I thank you this morning for what you're doing and how you're stirring us, Lord. God, I thank you for all you've already done, Lord. God, even through the years, we've seen you heal people. We've seen people who, God, they, they couldn't have children. We prayed and they had children. We've seen people diagnosed with diseases and yet they go to the doctor and they don't have them anymore. We've seen you save people that we never even thought. In our own minds, we thought they could never be saved. And you saved them, Lord. And many of them now, you're using them. Even planting Churches. God, we just want to thank you for that. Thank you for all you've done, God. Thank you for all you're doing. Thank you that you never left us. You never forsaked us. God, even when we wonder, Lord, you're faithful. God, would you just continue to work, Lord? Give us a greater desire for you. Give us a greater heart for you, Lord. Give us a greater heart for each other, God, that we could truly be a people set apart, consecrated for you. God, that it wouldn't be a burden to be with each other, but that, God, we would be people who lock arm in arm, bound together by your spirit and, and united around the gospel. God, just continue to work, Lord. Continue to work. We got to go, but it's been on my heart, so I'm going to do it. If you're here and you have never accepted Jesus, Jesus, you don't know him. You've never had the blood cover your life. You've never had the opportunity to know the joy of knowing God and having a relationship with Christ. But the Lord has been drawing you. It doesn't mean it happened this morning. It might have happened Tuesday. But the Lord's been drawing you. And today you're saying it's time to just make it public. Jesus tells us to do that. And today, you say, today is the day of, that I'm going to acknowledge the salvation that God has done in my heart. Never been saved before, but today, you say, I desire this relationship with Jesus. Then. I want you right now, it takes boldness, it takes courage, but it's not something to be ashamed of. It's something we're going to celebrate. You stand to your feet and say today, I need Christ in my life. I need a relationship with Jesus in my life. I have never had that, but today I am surrendering my life. If you're here, that's you. Then stand to your feet right now, and let's begin a new life with you. We thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you for what you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys have a great week. Love you.